Fret not. We are getting back into the upside down kingdom today, but maybe fret a little bit because it's another hard topic. So in Luke 12, this is where we're primarily going to be today. We got another doozy. And I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, but if you'd like, open up there. That's where we'll be. Whenever I was in college, I was kind of notorious for being incredibly stingy with my food. Like, I would never give it to anybody. Like, it was, I, I worked hard for it in my minimum wage job. I paid for it. This is my food. You're not getting any of it. And then God, in his wisdom, decided to continually put friends and roommates in my life that have no moral conscience whatsoever <laughs> and decide time and time again to take Kyle's food that he earned himself. One example of this, whenever I was living in Mozambique, one of my friends, and I really mean friends, um, I'm kidding, I love the guy, but he, when, after we went to a gas station, you have to realize, right, I didn't get to eat all the junk food I wanted in Mozambique. We went to a gas station, I saw a shelf of chips, and I took like 50% of it and walked into the car, and I was so happy because I finally got to eat chips again. Whenever we're in the car driving away from that, my friend looks at me straight-faced and just says, hey, can I have one of those whole bags of chips? Like, you know, people ask for like a chip or two or like a handful. He's like, hey, can I have the whole bag? And I just looked at him like with the most judgmental stare I possibly could. And I think my mouth was like wide open for five seconds. And I'm just like, no, of course not. You could have just gotten it at the gas station whenever we were there. And I'm not kidding, the rest of my time in Mozambique, I went out of my way to hide my food from this guy because he was known to be quite the, the mooch. And I say all of this to say, though this story is ridiculous, it showcases something kind of nasty in me. And really, I think something like it manifests itself in most everybody's life in this room. And to some extent, it's been a part of the human condition and the sinful sickness that's been with us from the beginning. And Jesus has a massive problem with it. So let's get into it. Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide this inheritance with me, <laughs> which is such an interesting request to, to give to Jesus. I wonder what kind of requests he had to get in his life that aren't recorded. Um, but some of them were, were doozies, I bet. But this request is one that still would probably exist today. I have seen families torn apart because of dividing an inheritance and arguing about money. It turns out money is quite a divisive topic. And in verse 14, Jesus replied, man, I just like to say that anytime it's there, it's not really not the tone, but man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? In other words, why should I get involved in your family affairs like this? Is it Jesus' job to be the person that settles this conflict, or is that something that they should be doing in-house? And in verse 15 it says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, oh, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, 
You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. In other words, you will die tonight. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So in this story, the rich man, he has this massive harvest, this massive surplus, and all of his basic needs are met. So he has to get creative. What am I going to do with all this extra? Instead of giving some of it away, instead of being generous with it, he decided to tear down the barns that he currently has and build bigger ones so that he can store all of that for himself. And then his life is ultimately cut short by the one who is really the authority of his life. And God demands an account for this man's choices and his surplus of crops can't pay that debt. This man's greed backfired on him. There's a lot of things in scripture I feel like aren't super clear, but this isn't one of them. It's hard to read an Old Testament prophet book and ignore the emphasis that is put on taking care of the poor and caring about justice while also simultaneously getting onto the wealthy for not caring about them. Like take Amos, for example. He gets onto Israel for putting ivory into their bedposts, but they trample the poor every day. And there's no question what the New Testament thinks about it, primarily Jesus. The one parable we hear of someone in a negative afterlife situation is a rich man who continually passed by a poor person named Lazarus. And that parable, it's not talking about hell primarily. It's, talking, it's a warning to the rich. Jesus even says in Luke, we read it a couple weeks ago. Jesus says, woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. And then the time in scripture whenever Jesus was the angriest, which is also the design of these slides and what Tracy painted for us was whenever he flipped the money tables of the religious leaders who were profiting off the worship of God. It was all a money scheme. And then later in the New Testament, Paul argues that the love of money is the root of all evil. Like, I don't think we have to do a lot of guesswork here, do we? It seems scripture's pretty clear on this. How on earth can we read scripture and get so bent out of shape about such minor issues, but time and time and time again, when this gets brought up in scripture, we just act like it's not there. And just to be clear, I'm going to guess that most everybody in here is rich. By the world standards, at least. To give you some perspective, 60 plus percent of the world lives off of $10 a day. By that standard, I can speak for myself, I am grossly rich. $10 a day. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard many sermons on greed in my life. And that's pretty concerning given the frequency that it's addressed in scripture. It's everywhere, especially in Luke. And I believe the reason it's not talked about much is because it is the most socially acceptable sin among Christians. It's such a part of the air that we breathe that we don't even recognize it anymore. In fact, in some ways, I think it's celebrated. And I wonder, do we just play pretend that Jesus didn't mean some of this stuff that he says? 
So let's get into it. What is greed? What is the, the heart of this issue? Let's start with what it's not. <laughs> to be clear, greed does not equal being wealthy or having tons of possessions. There's normally a correlation between those things. And I would argue that money can tend to bring out the worst in people as opposed to the best in people. But people refined into the image and likeness of Jesus can do amazing things with their money. For example, there were a lot of wealthy women that helped support financially Jesus' ministry. That was a great thing that they did. And on the flip side of things, there are some extremely poor people that can be extremely greedy. And something that greed doesn't mean is that all followers of Jesus have to sell everything that they have. I know there have been some Christian groups in the past that have believed that with the understanding that the apostles were sent out with no change of clothes and no food and no money. And also seeing things like Jesus talking to the rich young ruler saying you need to sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, then you can be my disciple. But we know that it's not a universal command for people because in the next chapter in Luke, we read the story of Zacchaeus who Zacchaeus gives half of what he has and Jesus says salvation has come to you today. So it's not, owning things is not a sin. <laughs> Having possessions is not the problem in itself. So what is greed really? It's a heart issue. Greed is something that is always in want. It's never satisfied. What greed is, is excessively loving money, the acquisition of money, or any resource that we can hoard. Greed mistakes money, or more accurately, the possession of it or other possessions as the end in itself, the thing that we're striving for. But what is it that makes greed so bad? What is it that makes Jesus want to flip tables over and get angry with people about this? Well, one thing is we can get away with more sin whenever we have more money. If money is a power, it just magnifies a person's character. It gives the ability of the heart to do what it wants. There's a greater potential for sin. It also creates more problems. One of the biggest growing businesses in the United States, I don't know if you know this, has been storage units. People have been wanting to put more and more and more stuff away because they don't have space for it anymore. But the thing is having so many more possessions, it takes up so much more of your thoughts. It adds so much more anxiety and stress because you gotta manage all those things all the time. St. Thomas Aquinas, he brought up two other points. That greed provides the illusion of self-sufficiency. The idea that we don't really need God. I don't have to have faith in God because I can have faith in my stuff. Faith in God is a core part of a Christian's life. In a lot of ways, greed is fundamentally opposed to it. And another thing that greed is fundamentally opposed to is justice. Whenever you take more for yourself, that leaves less for the rest of the world. There's a really fantastic book on the seven deadly sins called Glittering Vices by Rebecca DeYoung. If you, I would highly suggest put that on your reading list at some point. It is a book that'll slap you in the face. But this is a quote from her section on greed. It says, the money for your expensive coffee this morning belonged to the child who came to school with no breakfast. The new winter coat hanging in your closet next to four other coats now out of style belongs to the homeless person you passed on your way downtown last weekend. And the money you have saved for retirement would make the difference between subsistence 
and starvation for the sweatshop workers who made your favorite hiking boots, worn only twice. Wherefore, as many as you have wronged, you might have aided. In other words, the greedy are willing to use people to serve their love for money rather than using money to serve their love for people. And that's a bit of a gut punch. It is to me, at least. I, I hope for a second none of you think that I'm talking down to you. I am looking at myself here. What am I doing with what God has given me? For example, something that I've heard from several people. I know world hunger, it's a very complicated issue. But I've heard from several people that we have enough resources in the world that if we really cared about ending world hunger, we could do it if we had a generous enough spirit. Something to think about is your surplus can be someone's sustenance. We can fundamentally change people's lives with our generosity if we wanted to, if we cared enough. Jesus doesn't take this hard of a stance on greed and abundance because he wants to hinder our fun but because it's healthier for the world and it brings more true joy to us. Generosity is the cure to greed. It is a virtue of freedom from attachment of money and the hoarding of the resources that we have. And you may feel like currently in your life you don't have a lot of capacity to be generous. But the thing is, you can be generous in more than just your money. I think it's important that we are generous with our money, but you can also be generous with your time you can be generous with the things that you already do have and ask the question, how can I be a good steward of those things? Generosity's measure isn't about how much you can give. It's not about how big of a check you can write, but it's about the way it's given and the why behind it. For example, one of the most beautiful scenes of giving in all of scripture was whenever the widow gave the two coins that she had to God. That was more precious to God than writing a million dollar check. And honestly, whenever I think of generosity, the first image that comes to my mind are the Mozambicans that I met whenever I lived there. At the time of me going, Mozambique was the third poorest country in the world. And I was living in the poorest province of Mozambique. And it was a time that completely changed my life. I saw poverty and malnutrition in ways that I never had before, and honestly, it filled me with anger. It's crazy to me how much our world turns a blind eye to what people are experiencing in other parts of the world. And we focus on so many other things that I would consider way more minor. And I started to see more of why Jesus got angry with people exploiting other people for money. But one of the most shocking and humbling things for me is whenever I'm over there mad at my friend who wanted a whole bag of chips, I was treated with such incredible hospitality and generosity in a way that I have never experienced. People like that are examples for all of us. And it's a reminder that we can all be generous. So how can we be more like that? How can we capture that generous spirit? This is not an exhaustive list of things, but here are some things that you might try. The first thing, and I do believe this is kind of fundamental, we have to trust in God's generosity. Nothing helps us move from our greed than understanding that God is a generous God. 
every good thing in our life is a gift from God, and the greatest of those gifts is salvation. We may feel like we're entitled to the things that we have because we've sweat for it, we worked hard for it, but the truth is we don't really own anything. Freely we have been given, so we should then freely give. The generous are looking for opportunities to give because they recognize that they themselves have received a gift. And the truth is, church, though greed makes you want to think otherwise, God is sufficient, period. If everything else was stripped from our lives, it shouldn't matter. God should be sufficient for us. And sometimes greed is a symptom that we don't believe that. Another thing is we can ask the question why behind what we spend and save. Why are we buying the things that we are? Why are we choosing to save this amount of money? And the results that reveal our heart's motives and intentions. Think about what each purchase that you make says about yourself. Another thing is be a good steward of the things that you do have, right? So the possessions you already own. Whenever you were baptized, everything that you have, everything you are, everything you own is baptized with you. You have to think about how can I surrender everything to the Lordship of Jesus? That's an important part of being a good steward. What can I do with the stuff that I have? How can, how can my house, how can my car serve a kingdom purpose? Another thing is tithe every week. And if you do monthly, that's whatever the time frame, give regularly is what I'm trying to say. That's an important part of building generosity. It may hurt you every time that you give some money over, but it is building up that generous spirit over time. And to make clear, like last week we talked, I talked about how Jesus got on to the Pharisees for tithing. It's because they were missing the main stuff. He didn't say stop tithing. Like that's, that was still an important part for him. And then the last thing, this is something I've been more and more convicted of in my life as I've gone on, is live a life of simplicity. Simplicity is so nice. Whenever you have less things to care about all the time, your brain isn't cluttered with all the worries and oh, how do I take care of this and how do I manage that? How do I repair this? It helps you breathe. <laughs> it gives you some freedom. And the good thing is whenever you live a life of simplicity that you don't hold on to possessions you don't need, <laughs> then you're able to have more margin to do stuff with the money that you do have. You can make more of a kingdom difference. So I pray today that all of us look within ourselves where greed may rear its ugly head and pick one or all five of these sorts of things and try living into this a little bit because we don't talk about it much, but it's a big problem. And this, this is something I'm wanting to surrender over to God in my life. I mean, I just had a conversation with Abby not too long ago. I won't go into details, but there was some greed in my heart whenever I was having that conversation. So I'm, I'm asking for God to refine that within myself. Something to keep in mind too, church, is life is short, but eternity is really long. We spend so much time thinking about how we can live as comfortable of a life as we possibly can in this life without putting much thought into where our true home will be. So be generous because you can't take any of it with you. So today, let's ask ourselves and let's be real about it. Do we own our possessions or are we owned by them? Let us be generous, church, because the beauty of generosity is each time that we are generous, each time we give, 
Each time we give our time, our effort, our energy, the kingdom of God intertwines that much more with earth. And we get the privilege of being a part of this. So if you have any needs today, if you have anything that you would like to make known, I want to invite our shepherds and prayer team to move throughout the room. If you would like prayers over something in your life, if you have a celebration, if, if you want to talk about the, the vice of greed in your life and ask for freedom in it, it's a great time to. Whatever you have going on in your life, if you want to learn more about this church, if you want to learn more about Jesus, if you want to give your life over to Jesus, you want to learn more about baptism, whatever it is, we want to invite you to go and make that known today with these people around the room. So let's pray. And after that, you can talk with them. Lord, we know that you are so generous. You are so kind. You're the ultimate gift giver. And you give us more than, more than we need. But help us to fully trust in you. Help us to have full faith in you. That even whenever we run the numbers, we're nervous about the future, we don't know how our finances are going to happen, help, help us to trust that you are for us and you are with us. And let that be the thing that we cling to, not our money, not our possessions, not whatever the thing is in our life that we choose to hoard for ourselves that we should give over to you and for the sake of the love of other people. Help us to cling to you and you alone. Help us remove that temptation for the love of money. More than anything, Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to think like you and be like Jesus in all the things that we do. We pray this in your holy son's name. Amen.